Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. And I almost forgot, Jay, we are sponsored by by HypeBot.com. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on over to the HypeBot. So we got a guest joining us this week, Jay. We do. We have Ari Herstand. Um, Ari, if you don't know, is an author. He's an advocate. He's a singer-songwriter. Um, he's got a book out called How to Make It in the New Music Business. Um, if you haven't visited his uh, website or read any of his writings, you need to do that. Um, Ari, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. I think yeah, this is today actually, I thought this is actually a return visit. I'm sure you've been here is. once or twice before. Yeah. I can't remember. It, it's been a couple years though, I think. So this is uh, it's uh, you know. Definitely, uh, it's definitely time. It's good to be here again. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I wanted to kind of have a conversation today about streaming, and Ari, you and I have uh, talked offline a little bit um, mm-hmm. about streaming. It's it's hot. It's on everybody's mind. Um, there are different paths to uh, playlists, and mm-hmm. there are different challenges, especially for a kind of DIY or indie artist. It gets to be even more of a challenge because mm-hmm. you know when you're a major. Um, you own a piece of some of these DSPs, and not mm-hmm. only do you own a piece of them, but you own playlisting companies that you can mm-hmm. put your music in. But it's a lot more challenging for an indie artist, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, especially because most of these uh, most indie artists are working with distributors, or some people call them aggregators, that don't necessarily do much playlist uh, plugging to the DSPs. So when you're going with like a DistroKid or a CD Baby or a TuneCore or something like that, or or literally like 20 to 30 others that are out there that, that indie <laughs> artists can work with, right. um, you know, they aren't doing, they aren't pitching you for playlists like every uh, label. They have direct uh, contacts at all the DSPs. Um, some of the more exclusive distributors have direct contacts at the DSPs um, for playlist uh, plugging. And then also um, managers have direct contacts. So basically, I mean, how how Spotify works, at least, because that's the hottest one right now, and that's what everyone is trying to get into the Spotify playlist. Uh, how they work is basically um, they have weekly conversations with, with distributors, uh, labels and managers, and they the reps kind of talk to, um, well the the they talk to the reps at the various outlets, and then uh, at Spotify they all come back together, and the label team, the distributor team, and the manager team, and they they say okay. Who were you pitched this week, and and you know what sounds interesting to you, and if they get uh, if they hear the same song or the same artist pitched by two of the parties, uh, then it's definitely it's ranked higher up on their list of what they're going to send to their playlist editors. And obviously, if they get pitched by all three outlets, the label, the distributor, and the manager, then it for sure is is high priority to get sent to the playlist editors. Um, now, if it's just pitched by one of the uh, one of the parties, it, it definitely has a chance, and that's how you see a lot of these indie artists who are working with, uh, maybe don't have uh, an exclusive distributor or a label, but maybe they have a manager that has some pull. That's how you start to see some of these on the uh, get um, added to playlist, or even some of the more exclusive distributors like an AWOL or a STEM or an Ingrooves or something like that. Uh, they have good relationships with Spotify, and that's how they're pitching them too. Right, and AWOL being 
part of Cobalt. Cobalt. Uh-huh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get confused when it comes to streaming. I mean, really, the number one streaming service is YouTube. And there are certain challenges with getting your music streamed on YouTube. But for kind of either the ad-supported or the kind of subscription-based you know, pure play streaming services. Yeah, you know, Spotify is the big dog. And of course, you and I could build a playlist of your music and post it on Spotify. And if you Mm -hmm. are an Apple curator, you could post it um, on Apple Music. But I'd love Mm -hmm. to get your thoughts on some of these kind of third-party places that claim that they can get you as an indie artist into playlists and i don't need to or mean to you know say that these are good or bad or indifferent but there are places like streamingpromotions.com and digmark mm-hmm. and slotify and i could name five more that claim that they can get you into playlists have you ever worked with any of those companies do you have any thoughts or opinions on them and ari before you respond to that just just a little i guess background to that because from from an Indie artist standpoint, everything you just described about how Spotify works is 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 spot on. The frustration mm-hmm. is if you don't have those connections, you know, the, exactly. the number one question I get all the time is, well, how do I do that if I don't have those right. connections? So artists become frustrated and then they see these third party companies jump up and go, Well, you know, for X mm-hmm. amount of dollars a month will pitch you to all of these people. Right. And, you well, know, they, they get so desperate to try anything. Right, right. And, okay, so I want to, uh, let's just, uh, I want to break down how uh, <laughs> the, the different kinds of playlists that, first off, exist on Spotify, just so we're all starting from the same point. So um, the ones that everyone's familiar with are the uh, playlists that are curated by Spotify, official Spotify right. playlists, curated right. by official hired employed Spotify playlist editors. They are, they work for Spotify and they're the playlists that they say by Spotify. Those are the biggest. Those are the ones that, you know, we're all familiar with. They're um, obviously the biggest playlist is today's top hits with like 16 or 17 million followers. Then there's, of course, rap caviar. But then you kind of go down and there's like singer songwriters ones. There's ones of every genre and mood. There's like the piano ones. I mean, so they have thousands and thousands of these official Spotify playlists. Um, Yeah, they have about 5,000 of the official Spotify curated. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and there are some official Spotify playlists with just a few hundred followers on it. So, you know, sure. it's a wide range. Um, but those are the ones that everybody wants to get on. And those are the ones that people think a lot of people think are the only playlist that exists, which is not true. So right. now you have what's also the user generated playlist. And these are ones that anyone can create. I've created a playlist, um, has about 800 followers on it. The, you said before the labels have created their own playlist. Those are also considered user generated playlists. Um, but they have playlist networks where they, you know, it's under a certain uh, name as like filter, um, yeah, or they have a, a couple others. Um, Topsify, Topsify, yeah. right? And then yep. what's the third one? Digmark or something or uh, Digster? Some Digster. That's it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so you know, there's playlist networks, and but these are users, so these aren't employed by Spotify, and they also range obviously from very few followers to hundreds of thousands. I've seen some user-generated playlists with hundreds of thousands of followers um, as well. And then there's what are the algorithmically generated playlists. And these are the ones like um, Discover Weekly that's customized radar. per user. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or um, 
you know, the um, fresh finds is one of the biggest. That's an algorithmically generated playlist. And, and what that means is that there's not a person adding these songs to the playlist. It's based on their own algorithm. So like, for instance, the fresh find playlist. Um, now, what's interesting there is that they are monitoring uh, tastemaker accounts. That's right. And, yep. and you know, you don't know if you're a tastemaker. You could be a tastemaker. I could be a tastemaker. Nobody knows that they're a tastemaker. What what they deem as tastemakers are just average Spotify users um, who start listening to a song uh, that then breaks. Yeah, maybe ahead uh, of the curve, right? Yeah, they're ahead of the curve. So they, the song, you know, they they these users, they've deemed them tastemakers because they consistently listen to songs that end up breaking later on. Uh, maybe a few weeks later, a month later, whatever, but they are able to monitor all these accounts and they say, oh, this user, the, you know, the they consistently are listening to songs ahead of the curve. And so they they have, I've heard about 50,000 uh, tastemaker accounts that they're monitoring. And, um, and with these accounts, um, they, if enough of them listen to the same song at the same time, uh, that song automatically gets added to Fresh Finds. And so that's why, and Fresh Finds has uh, a large following, um, and I think hundreds of thousands or something like that. Um, and so that, if you get on a Fresh Finds playlist, you're almost guaranteed at least a couple hundred thousand uh, streams. Now they, they update this, uh, I think Fresh Finds updates every week. Um, so it's not something that you're going to live on for a little while, whereas some of these other playlists you could live on for years. And I've heard of artists who've been on some big playlists, yeah. indie artists, for yeah. years, and they're you know consistently getting thousands and thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of streams a month. So, yeah. so now that I would we, just add to that, yeah. Ari, you sure. know, that, I think that's all spot on. And I love, you know, fresh finds, you know, for those who haven't played around with it, you know, there are fresh finds for different genres. I mean, the, the typical fresh finds, I think is over a half a million at this point, but you had mentioned some of these playlists like, you know, Topsify and just, just for our listeners that may not know, when you see things like Topsify, Playlist Me, Playlist.net, those are owned by WIA and ADA. Sony owns Filter and Radial. Mm -hmm. Radial is mostly the uh, the Orchard, which is a Sony-owned company, um, mm -hmm. just merged with uh, RED. And then finally, um, you'd mentioned uh, Digster, and that's owned by Universal. Right now, now just to be clear, they don't only put their artist no. songs on these that's playlists. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so they they are putting some self release indie artists on their playlist as well. Well, they have um, to, right to keep it legit. It can't be just yeah. you know universal artists because that's not compelling. But you know one of the key things that you want in a playlist is to be in like the top fifteen or twenty tracks because they typically get a little bit more spins and they mm -hmm. kind of front load their own music into those key places. But I've had music from indie artists that I represent added to some of these playlists because of the fact that you know it's a meritocracy. It's based on the quality mm -hmm. of the track and if you can reach the right people there, they do need songs from other labels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so getting back to your question before, are any of these uh, streaming uh, playlist plugging companies yeah. worth it? And and are there? Have you, you know, used any Ari? I mean, are you you're familiar okay. with them, right? I'm familiar with them personally. I've used one that uh, was a very interesting case because I was testing them out, um, and this one, uh, it was it, it wasn't. 
so okay let me break down how some of these operate um some of them like streaming promotions and and the uh, some of the other ones that's one of the most popular ones um they operate almost like publicists traditionally operate where you pay them a set amount they do their best to pitch you to um user generated playlists now mind you streaming promotions and and most of the other ones aren't pitching the official spotify playlists they're pitching the the bigger right So I do want to make that super clear that when you're hiring a playlist plugging company, you may think, oh, they're going to get you into, um, you know, the big R&B playlist. Discover Weekly or Rap Caviar. Right, which they're not doing. Now, that being said, if you get added to enough user-generated playlists, you'll trigger Spotify's algorithm and you may jump up to a Discover Weekly where you start getting added to, to users' Discover Weekly playlists. You might get added to some of their official Spotify playlists. So... That's possible, and that's one of the biggest benefits of, of, you know, you start, if you think of like Spotify playlists as almost like a pyramid, on the very bottom of the pyramid are all the user-generated playlists with maybe hundreds of followers or thousands of followers. Um, as you move up the pyramid, there's, there's fewer playlists uh, that have tens of thousands of followers, both user-generated and Spotify playlists. You move up the pyramid, then you're getting to the hundreds of thousands, the million, and at the very top of the pyramid, you have Rap Caviar in today's top hits. So if you start getting added to a bunch of these playlists at the bottom of the pyramid, you'll you'll hop up a tier of this pyramid and Spotify notices this and they'll they'll bump you up. Now, with these plugging companies, um, I've heard very mixed reviews from a lot of them. Um, now, I'm not too familiar with many of them. Streaming promotions is one that I, I have heard a lot about. I've talked to. I've, I've talked to a bunch of people that have used them. I've talked to someone who had a very good experience with them, um, got hundreds of thousands of streams uh, within a month of working with them. And I've talked to someone who dropped five grand and got nothing. So it's, um, you know, it, it it's miss. all over the place. It's hit and miss, it, but it's like a publicist, like I was saying before, whereas a publicist, you pay them to do their best to pitch you to news outlets, blogs, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and you pay them regardless if they have any success or not. Yeah. Um, that's that's how publicists work, but that's also how a lot of these playlist plugging companies are working too. Um, yeah. So yeah, hit or miss with these. Now there is another. Um, there are other ways to go about this, which isn't just like hiring a playlist plugging company and crossing your fingers. Um, there are now. This is the next phase of what's starting to happen. Is you're starting to see companies that own a lot of very uh, successful playlists that are now charging people uh, to get included on the playlist that they own. So meaning they can guarantee you certain numbers of streams based solely on they know the kind of traction that their songs on their playlist get and they can say for $50,000, I mean, sorry, for 50,000 streams, you pay us one hundred and fifty dollars, and you know we will, or you pay us one hundred fifty dollars. We'll guarantee you fifty thousand streams because we can put you into these various playlists in these various locations. And we've studied this enough where we know we'll be able to deliver you the number of streams that you want in the certain right. time period that you want. Have you ever used a service like that, Ari? I just tried one out just to see if this like works because it was very confusing to me i'm like this this can't be real like this must be like some click farm or something but it's not i mean these are and i saw that um 
I went into my Spotify artist account and I saw that, yeah, they got added to um, a different various playlists, popular playlists. Um, and I saw the songs there. I'm like, oh, OK. So they actually added me to playlists. And now, mind you, this is against Spotify's terms and conditions. I was, was going to ask you, Ari, yeah. what, what do you, ethically, yeah. what do you think about that? Because isn't that basically payola? Oh, it absolutely is payola. It's not illegal right now because they haven't because the laws haven't caught up. But right. um, oh, yeah, for sure. Now, mind you, payola has been well reported at the, the official Spotify curated playlist with the labels. Right. Um, I mean, this isn't just something that that these companies are doing. So if Spotify wants to say that that's against their terms, that they're being pretty hypocritical considering um, it's labels, uh, sources at labels come out all the time anonymously and they say, that oh yeah, Payola absolutely exists. You know, we're flying out the playlist editor of you know one of these big playlists to our party, and we're not like handing them a an envelope of cash like it used to work in the '70s. But you know, we're uh, they're we're just um, we're flying them out to this party. We're putting them up at a five star hotel. We're giving them backstage access to everything, VIP everything, and oh, and by the way, here's our new song kind of thing. So. You know, I, I think payola exists in many forms, and that's that's the kind of payola that's existed with uh, radio for years as well. Right, and of course the difference is it's illegal for radio, and it's not yet. Uh, we call it playola, and we've had you know an attorney on the show, and we've talked to many people about this. The way that it's structured right now, that's not necessarily illegal is it unethical is it sketchy yeah is it yeah, against the terms is. of service yes definitely right well it's against their terms it's against spotify's terms but you know if they're going to crack down on it then they're going to have to do it across the board and they're going to have to tell every one of their playlist curator editors uh you can't take uh trips <laughs> that are funded by anybody else uh you can't you know, yeah. go go to parties. You can't. Uh, where you do know, you draw it's, it's the like, line? Yeah, right. It's where's the line drawn? So, I mean, you know, like it's it's even to the extent where, like, I was at a South by. Um, I was at South by this last year, and I went to the Universal Showcase, um, and I saw uh, someone there who's fairly high up at Spotify, and and we chatted for a little while. I'm like, you know, I. He's at the Universal Party. Now, what does that mean? Like, okay, he's just there to see music, but now what else is happening? Like, how, you know, it's it's just like things are, a lot of these deals are made at these kinds of events and that are just like you're there to see a show, but then it's like, oh, it's open bar, but oh, hey, come meet the band. Oh, like, come hang backstage and let's like do it, you know. So it's it's just like a slippery thing, um, whereas technically nobody's paying anybody anything. They're just at South by together, but, you know, they're getting favored treatment. So, you know, not to. So, I mean, I, I just I use that as like background to say, like, OK, you know, yes, Spotify says that they don't want playlist companies or, or companies rather that own a bunch of playlists and that run a bunch of playlists to charge people uh, to get included on these playlists, whereas if they're going to say that, then they should be cracking down on what uh, Spotify's practices are, um, you know, behind closed doors. Right, right. And, you know, you speak with artist managers, you had mentioned, and you speak with artists and even labels and distribution. Some of them have really good relationships with people at Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer, Pandora, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> but... 
I I've haven't found that those relationships have really delivered much. And when I speak with the people, even at <clears throat> some of these powerful majors, you would think mm -hmm. that since they may own equity in the company, they may own their own playlisting company, mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, um, no one's got it completely figured out. Yes, um, there are some things that you can do. I've seen stories of people bringing DSP um, and for those who don't know, that's digital ser service provider, just like Apple or Spotify. I've seen people bring DSP staffers into the process really early where they're in the studio and they bring them in the mm -hmm. studio and they get them really give them a sense of ownership and get them involved in the process. And sometimes that's worked. I've, I was speaking at uh, UCLA recently <clears throat> and there was a student there who had over a million streams on her song. And, and the way that she attacked it was she went after all of these music blogs and mm -hmm. an extensive list and wrote, you know, the ones that fit her genre, a very compelling message. And they actually loved the song and started spinning it. And then something you mentioned early on, which I think is really Well, you mean they started, they started writing about it on their blogs? Or did yeah, they, have they started writing themselves? about it on right. the blog, and some of yeah. them actually play music on their blogs, and some of them have playlists that they added it to. And mm -hmm. they're not, as you mentioned before, it's not huge numbers, but it's the right numbers, right? They're kind of weighted in that something you mentioned early on, which I think is really key, is that Spotify especially... And I'm sure Apple Music and Deezer and everybody title, everybody else does this too, but Spotify is really good at looking at the data and going, okay, who was listening to Ari Herstand first? Oh, mm -hmm. these guys. Who was mm -hmm. listening to, you know, Drake or the Chainsmokers or whatever? They know. So now they're watching what you're listening to and they go, Oh, they're playing this new thing by, you know, Michael Branvold. We're gonna jump on that because these guys are tastemakers. And to your well, point, they may not even know yes. they're tastemakers. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, when, how do you get on fresh finds? Well, you get tastemakers to listen to your song when it comes out. How do you get tastemakers to listen to your song when they come out? They're still reading blogs. So when everybody says, well, blogs is so 2012, well, you know, sure that they're not at their peak where they used to be, but tastemakers, meaning people who like discovering new music and, and actively seek out new music are reading blogs. And so the, the, the patterns that I've Drawn, just personally taking a look at this and seeing um, how this is happening. And when my friends get included on Fresh Finds, I reverse engineer it. I'm like, okay, what did they do? And most of the time, more times than not, they had a premiere of their song on a big blog, on a stereo gum or a consequence of sound or pigeons and planes or something like that. And these are the big blogs that have still a large readership, but really the readership is like are these tastemakers typically and so if you get a premiere on a consequence of sound or a stereo gum or or any of these um bigger ones you know that typically you're most likely going to get included on fresh finds and so that's almost a clear line that i've been able to draw Got it's it. just like yeah it may be worth getting these premieres on these blogs because you'll get included on Fresh Finds. And then if you start getting added, if, if people from Fresh Finds start saving your song, that'll trigger another Spotify algorithm and then you'll hit Discover Weekly. And if more people start saving your song from Discover Weeklies, then you'll go up that pyramid that I was talking about before and you'll start getting right. added more and more playlists. Well, you just mentioned something that I think is really key. You know, I was at, you know, the Music Biz Convention, formerly NARM, and they, they had a panel there on Spotify and everybody was trying to figure out kind of what metrics, you know, um, Spotify looks at 
And it was even asked by Brandon Squire from ADA. He raised his hand and asked and was kind of blown off uh, when, you know, just they basically said it's proprietary. But what we Hmm. do know is there are certain things that Spotify and I imagine every DSP looks at. One is the number of spins, obvious. Two is really important, and that's the skip rate. If you're if you're getting skipped, that's like radio call out live time. And once you get you know a certain number of skips, you're out of there. And it's not an emotional decision. It's just they want the best music, the best reactive music in that playlist, right? The other thing that you just touched on, which is really key that a lot of people don't catch, is that adding things from Spotify or from Apple Music or whatever to your personal playlist is a huge thumbs up in the algorithms. Mm -hmm. And so if Mm -hmm. you can get people to add your song into their playlist, uh, into personal playlists, um, that and increased spins will really help you go from like a tertiary playlist to a secondary to a primary and so Mm -hmm. on. Or even getting them to, right, save their song, like just clicking the save button on Spotify and it saves Mm -hmm. it to your library, even if you don't have any playlist yourself, if you just save it to your own library, that's huge. And also they are looking at, um, so I've heard the amount of time that somebody listens to your song, um, you know, before. And so it's like if you listen to uh, a minute and a half of the song or something like that, that's that's weighted differently than if you listen to, you know, 10 seconds of the song or something like that. Right. That goes within the skip rate as well. Um, but it, they like they get really uh, they break it down, um, you know, very granularly in terms of like how they're looking at all of this stuff. Um, well, that's a good but, point. Let me just add one quick thing, Ari, sure. and that is to to what you just said. Um, I think there's some confusion around when you go onto Spotify and you look at your songs and you know how they list your kind of the top songs by artists and it's typically the top five and you can click a button and it'll go to the top 10 and it'll say, oh, well, Ari's got, you know, 50,000 spins on this track. But mm-hmm. then when you look at your financials or if mm-hmm. you look at Buzz Angle, Nielsen Connect, you know, some kind of measurement service, they don't match up. And one of the things I want people to understand is that when you look at Spotify and you see those numbers, those are based on one second of spin and it's global. Okay. So if they click on it, they may listen to five seconds ago. Yeah, this isn't my cup of tea and move on, but that still registers as a, as a spin when you or a play, when you go on to say buzz angle or Nielsen connect, um, that's North America, typically United States. And it's based on 30 seconds. And so we, we're still like you were talking about how, you know, when you go further and deeper into a song, that's also a thumbs up for that algorithm. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing is that, you know, it's really changing the way that people are recording music now because they found that if you've got a long intro, you get skipped. If your song is too long, you get skipped. Mm-hmm. And as Doc McGee likes to say, you know, don't bore us, get to the chorus, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of well, like that. That's really interesting because, you know, uh, the three minute, uh, it's it's in history of music, like the three minute song has been created. We like the three minute song was initially created because that's all that could fit on a, on a a 45, like on a, on a record, you know? Um, and that, you know, it, 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 it and it just stuck and it's like, oh, well, like three minutes should be the length of a song now or three and a half minutes because (laughs) And it's just traditionally, but it was really it was it was based on the um, the the guidelines and the restrictions of that era. Now, you know, why is Dark Side of the Moon exactly 44 minutes or 45 minutes long? 
It's not because that was exi- that was the uh, their musical masterpiece that they created was because that it was exactly forty five minutes and that's how long they wanted it to be. It's because that's all you could fit on a on a on a record. It was you could only fit twenty two minutes of music on each side of the record, and so they fit twenty two minutes of music on each side and they separated it. That's the only space in the record is is after you know song five I think, and so when we think about the formats that have evolved over the years and the the reasons that the, that there's been these uh, historic restrictions on like, why is a song three to four minutes? Why was a record 45 minutes long, an album 45 minutes long? And now we're looking at these new uh, restrictions or, or at least the new uh, playing field that we're operating within. And and yeah, you know, it used to be in the CD era, I remember this, like the, uh, the secret songs, the hidden songs where you'd wait, right. you know, six <clears throat> minutes at the end of, of the last track on the CD and you'd, you'd get to the secret song. Now you don't want to put that on one of your your uh, songs because if you add that song to a playlist, there's going to be six minutes of silence <laughs> until they get to the next right. song, and so like that song doesn't work on playlists because no one's going to want the six minutes of silence. You're never going to get to that hidden song. You know, if you got to want to listen to that hidden song, you can't even add the hidden song to a playlist. So, you know, it, these are you operate within the format of the of the era, and so yeah, I mean, people are changing the way that they write music and that they create music to match the format. But that's how it's always been. So, I mean, people yeah. might get upset that like, oh, well, you know, you're ruining the art. Well, that's total bullshit because it's just all artists operate, all artists operate within the medium that they create in and w- within those mediums restrictions, whether you're painting on a canvas, how big's the canvas going to be? Well, you know, if you reduce the canvas size by, uh, three feet, that's going to create a totally different piece of art. And it's the same kind of thing. And so I, I think, you know, yes, people are creating different music because of the realities of streaming. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah. Ari, this is, this is a topic that I know Jay and I can talk forever on and, and, Mm -hmm. and we got to wrap up a little bit here, but let me, let me, let me ask you a a quite a final question here. So, Mm -hmm. you know, getting back to, as an indie artist, you don't have the connections. As an indie artist, you may not have the budget to hire somebody to plug your songs to right. the streaming services. What mm-hmm. what two or three things would you advise an indie artist all on their own mm-hmm. that they could do on their own to try and crack the playlist? Or is it uh, uh, an almost impossible feat? No, great question, and it's not impossible, and this is something that can be done by every artist who wants to put in some work, Um, and it's not difficult to do. Uh, This is what you want to do. You want to make a list of all the user-generated playlists that you, your song or songs would fit on. So this is obviously going to be very different for every artist. So that's why you have to make your list on your own and you have to figure out, okay, what are these playlists? Now, all you need to do is very simple to do. You just go into Spotify in the search field, you start searching keywords. So um, maybe you search uh, R&B or maybe you're searching, um, you're searching relaxation or, or sleep or um, you know, you, moods and genres. And so you just search various keywords and this is how you can start to find them. And then they'll give you, then you click on the playlists, um, all the playlists that have that keyword that you've been searching or keywords. 
You can also search um, artists' names and songs and and look at the playlists that they're included on. And you make this, you just make a, a long list of all the playlists that are user generated. Now we're ignoring all the official Spotify playlists. Don't include those. Um, and then once you have this list, now go click on these playlists and it's e easiest to do this on the desktop app. Um, so in the app or in the desktop app, um, you click on the uh, the user who created that playlist. And now more so you're looking for the user who has their name, um, not just like random, uh, not like just a screen name or random letters and numbers, but like actually named. That means they've linked up their Facebook profile to Spotify, which most people have done. So you can click on the user's name. It brings up their profile. Now look at that photo. Now search their name on Facebook. And oftentimes uh, they're gonna have the same, they will have the same profile picture on Facebook as they do on Spotify if they've linked their Spotify to their Facebook. And then you would send this person a message and you say, Hey Michael, uh, really love your uh, music for sleepy time playlist. Uh, you know, it's how I discovered, it's how I, uh, discovered Alan Stone. And, you know, I have this, uh, this new song I just came out with that I think would fit really well on this playlist. Uh, here it is, uh, would be honored to be included. And you link into your, this, this Spotify link, obviously you link into the, with the Spotify link and you put that in the Facebook message and say, thanks, have a great day. And that's it. And that, that method is, is been proven to work um is that, is that basically it, the method that these plugging companies are doing as well yes that's what i've heard i've, I've heard actually um you know charles alexander who, who runs streaming promotions say exactly that that this is what they do <laughs> so they, they just, they, they just of... probably have a, a office full of interns that mm -hmm. all they do all I day do long is look for facebook profiles Exactly. So, you know, and, and you can get deeper and deeper in your with your research. You don't just need to use Facebook. You could look on LinkedIn. You could look on you could Google them. You could try to find their emails. Uh, Facebook's the easiest way to do it just because these are user generated playlists and you're just looking for the, those user accounts. Um, now, I do want to say that there has been another um, a friend of mine. What she did was she used LinkedIn um, in combination with uh it was well primarily LinkedIn, I believe, in combination with with Google and Facebook a little bit, but um, to find the actual oh, and Twitter also uh, to find the playlist editors at Deezer. Now a lot of people are ignoring Deezer, even though uh, they're a serious player as well in the streaming, and they have playlists right. and playlist editors. Right, um, and they're big and internationally. Yeah, huge internationally. Um, and they so what she did is she found the playlist editors. Um, for the playlist that she thought she, her music would fit on. She found, uh, yeah, through some creative um, Googling and, and LinkedIn and, and Twitter and stuff like that, uh, their names and oftentimes their office address, uh, what office they work at. And what she did was she sent them a postcard um, and most of them were in Europe. So she sent this international postcard because she lives in uh, San Francisco. Um, and she was actually on tour when she did this. And I thought it was brilliant. She would get postcards from all of her stops on tour. And she would send postcards from the various places that she was to these Deezer playlist editors. And she would write just handwritten postcards, say, hey, you know, love your playlist. Um, I'm a touring artist. This is where I am. I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. Or I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Or, you know, and... Uh, 
and uh, this is my artist name, and these are three songs that I think would fit on your playlist. That worked so well for her that now she's looking at millions and millions of streams on Deezer because playlist editors were so, no one had ever done this before. And these Deezer playlist editors, some of them that got the postcards were just, just stunned that someone, well, one, made the effort to like hunt down what their office addresses were, but two, also like got postcards and handwritten letters wow. and, and uh, you know, she showed me one of the tweets that one of these guys sent to her after he received her, uh, her postcard and, and made it his day. He's like, this is so cool. And he added her to this playlist. And, you know, so I, I think the, the moral of the story is, is that there's no one way to do it. And you want to get creative about it. And I think it's, it's very easy to just to throw your hands up and say, well, you know, we can never crack this. We don't have any connections. Life sucks. But or you could go <laughs> move on to like, you know, what my friend did is like, well, you know, what? let me get creative about it. And let me let me set my goals. My goals are to get on Deezer playlist. OK, how do I reverse engineer that? And that's what she did. Brilliant. That's awesome. Brilliant. That's awesome. You know, and I, and I think <laughs> when you started off, you said hard work. And I think that's mm -hmm. key to this whole thing is there's mm -hmm. no way that you're going to be able to do this. That's easy. You're not just going to be able to sit down and click one button and have mm -hmm. it done for you. It's, it's work. It's work to mm -hmm. go out and find those playlists and reach out to those people and pitch yourself and build that relationship. Because if you don't have the connections and you don't have the budget, what you have is hard work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think it's, it's, you know, we're all indie artists are creative people. We're all creative people. So use part of that creativity in coming up with interesting, creative uh, ways to approach your business too. overall. Um, it, you don't need to just limit your creativity to songwriting and performing um, or mastering your instrument. I mean, the, use your creative mind to, to approach your business as well. Yep. Awesome. Ari, where can people find you online? Uh, AriHerstand.com. Uh, Ari's Take is my blog, Ari'sTake.com. Those are the two sites. On Twitter, I'm at Ari's Take or at Ari Herstand on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, you can and, just. And, and where, where can people buy your book? Uh, book is available anywhere where you get books. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore, Audible. I narrated it, so you can listen to my voice for t you know, fifteen hours if you want. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so anywhere you get books, you can find my book. Mm -hmm. And that's how to make it in the new music business. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So thanks so much for uh, for joining us, Ari. Always a fascinating conversation. Talking about streaming is always fun and interesting and it really is and our ari's got such great you know insight and do-it-yourself insight i mean that's what's awesome about him yeah i did buy his book by the way uh, how to make it in the new music business and i, I really like it and I, I like it because he writes not like a lot of writers who say well this is what it is or should be he's living it i mean he's doing college tours you know he's going to radio stations he's trying to get on playlists he's playing gigs he's writing songs recording he's down there with getting his you know hands he's dirty he's doing the he, work he's doing he's the hard doing work he's doing the work that's right yeah so, yeah you know that to me that i think that's the one thing that comes out of all of this because streaming is so is evolving so quickly I mean, like today I just saw Spotify announce a new custom playlist for users 
that that goes back and finds class old songs that you've you like from certain decades. I don't know. It's just like every day something new is happening in the streaming yeah. world, and yeah. you know there is no one solution. Anybody who says they've got one solution is is not being honest because that one solution no. works today and it's not going to work tomorrow. And frankly, it's all hard work. Unless yeah. you've got the direct connection to somebody who owns that playlist, it's going to be hard work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we could talk literally for six hours on this subject, and I'm sure we'll have more uh, episodes about streaming because, as you say, it's dynamic, it's changing. You know, uh, a month from now, it'll be a whole different landscape. So stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, the players change, the features change. The best thing you can do is be a user of streaming services. Yeah. You know, and, and not just one, but if if you've got a music career in front of you, you should be using all of them or as many of them as you can afford and stay on top of what's happening and what's changing and how does it work. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's just it's going to be a lot of hard work maybe to reach out to these playlist promoter, the, the playlist owners, but... You only have to do that once, and if you've built up a Excel file of all these people, guess what? The next time you release a song, you've already got all the contact info. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So right. head on over to HypeBot for all your uh, digital music news. Yes, HypeBot.com. And uh, this is the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We'll see you next week. See ya.